definitely could see Jack Kennedy if he was lucky enough to stay injury free for any run of time hey, Paul is 22 so he has a fair amount of winners to ride um, he's born in 90 so he's 33 oh he's 32 so yeah he'd need a fair run but I think Jack Kennedy probably could you've thought about this <laughs> no, I'm, go- I'm googling got- it here looking up there I'm googling and looking up the details. results here how many can they ride each year when is he going to break me and then you let on like you don't care <laughs> but sure look t- think about it but, t- but think about it 30, 20 22 to 59 that's 37 and then he has to ride for 10 years at four winners a year breaks it that's hard done I know but that's the maths of it but it's done yeah, it can f- be done before I'm honestly four, four winning rides at Cheltenham is tough isn't it Ruby what does the, yeah. the most winning jockey every year usually get? Like, what's the? Uh, I'd say, like, if you're old four, you'd nearly be you'd nearly be leading rider five. You definitely would. And to do that year, to do that, you're saying ten years on the trot. Yeah, that's hard. Done. Yeah, that is a get, lot. Yeah, you need to get lucky. You'd be safe enough, look. I'd say, Ruby. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. You'll still be the hero in a few years. Don't worry, Ruby. <laughs> we'll get him, we'll get another title for you for <laughs> yeah. if that one's gone. We'll find something. <laughs> Um, Al, Chelsea Chelsea yeah I was delighted Marie watched the match obviously and um, we've discussed Graham Potter over the last number of weeks as has many people and I've stuck up for him a lot Mm -hmm. in fairness and obviously he's still hanging by a tread you would think but I think that tread got a little bit stronger last night not only with the result but I also felt based on the performance because normally when you look at these things and we mentioned one of the games there I think was the Southampton defeat when the video was doing the rounds of the players body language and it it didn't look great and we were critical of the players and the egos that he's having to deal with last night you couldn't accuse any of those players of not playing for a manager which normally tends to happen when a manager is kind of facing uh, his last few days so I was delighted with that the performance they played ever so well in terms of the tactical side of it and what he was trying to do pressing the, pressing them really high Dortmund the energy that they played with as well it's massive having Chilwell and James back because that's obviously the way to play in terms of that 3-4-3 and the energy levels they showed on top of the quality that they have as well uh, I thought was outstanding and I was delighted for him because it's been tough he's mentioned it himself he said it publicly in press conferences you could only imagine how difficult it was a huge job we've mentioned over a number of weeks how how many years he spent trying to get an opportunity like this and then when you get it you feel like it's kind of all unravelling so quickly so I was delighted for him Uh, they played ever so well and they'll probably fancy their chances now because looking at what's left in the Champions League there's no real standout obviously people will have Man City as the favourites and on their day of course they will and Real Madrid but if you but but they're, they're beatable as well under there like there's no one really kind of and, and in this format as we know different to a league like what we saw with Chelsea a few years back with Di Matteo when he came in and, and you get a look not a lucky run but you get a run on a, a couple of games like in any cup competition on the day and um, they'll fancy their chances now but I was delighted the fact that they got the victory uh, the performance on top of that was really really good and I hope to just kick on for, for Graham Potter I thought it was amazing to watch him watch Graham Potter watching the retake retake a penalty and he's staring at the ground he couldn't even look at it like either side of him on the bench they're watching the pressure he's just looking at the ground can you imagine what was going through his head Alan you know what was the amazing thing for me Ruby about about Graham Potter with the pressure there was the first night he he was in charge it was a Champions League night and he rocked up in a beautiful suit and he looked fresh and fit and looked great and I've, there was another <laughs> clip then a few weeks after of him doing a press conference and the bags under his eyes and the grey hair and it just goes to show over 
such a kind mm. of few period of weeks that uh, the pressure can really Sleepless get on top. Nights. Yeah, absolutely, Marie. Like you could Obsessing imagine over every decision, uh, over everything, yeah. and the criticism coming in. And he mentioned his home life and his family and all sorts of stuff. Um, so as you say, Ruby, that penalty kick and the were the one thing as well that he got last night that he hasn't been having over a period of weeks as well. When things have, obviously when they're going against you, he had no luck. Mm. And no matter how good you are or what sports you're playing, you need a bit of luck at, at a certain given time. And to be fair to him, that one last night, I was critical of the referee because I don't think it should have been retaken. If you watch the way Havertz goes up to take the, the penalty kick, if you stop and stutter almost in that kind of style of John Aldridge, of course the players are going to encroach because you've stopped. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he had to carry on his run and just take it like a normal kind of orthodox penalty that we're, that we're used to seeing, there would have been no encroachment so I think he got a bit of luck on that one as well and Havertz stepped up and tucked it away and as I say you need that bit of luck but I was glad from that he got the result like I completely agree with you in that you need a bit of luck which I can't explain or define and then I hear other people talking about you have to be able to control the uncontrollables I think to myself what waffle what do you think <laughs> yeah um, I've, I've heard that there's a lot of waffle goes round in terms of sayings Ruby don't like let's not kid ourselves on and um that one about controlling the controllables to me the only controlling the uncontrollables well I'm controlling the controllables yeah, well there you go we're mixed up already on it but you can't control the uncontrollables sure how can you it's impossible and the likes of that last night you do need luck no matter how good you are no matter how talented you are you need a bit of luck you go back to Alex Ferguson the best manager ever the two goals in injury time you tell me that was kind of brilliant tactical for, for thinking time. yeah you know like you yeah. need a bit of luck of course you do everybody knows that Um and sometimes you make your own luck. I'm a firm believer in that as well. The harder you work, Graham Potter looks like a really good, sound individual. And that's one of the reasons why I've stuck up for him as well. Because That's deserving your own luck. That's not making your own luck. So what's making your own luck? Making, I don't know how you make it, but I think when you, do, when you go about it the way Graham Potter does, you deserve the luck. But is that not making it for himself because he's gone about it in the right way and in the right manner he hasn't been unprofessional he's managed properly he's done all the right things in his head he's behaved properly he's conducted himself properly so he's making that look whereas you're calling it he deserves that look is that not the same? It probably is the same thing isn't it now, you, now that you explain it so eloquently <laughs> So I was I am glad for him in that regard and you do need that bit of look and even the penalty I'm not sure what you think Ruby and I know the penalty laws are, are hard to understand at the best of times now but I thought that was a bit of luck as well because I know he's literally kicked the ball at the lad's hand like I know people say oh his, his arm was out but he's not even like my maybe I'm old fashioned but I was always of the of the opinion and every time I played football if you intentionally hand the ball and you stick the ball up and obviously you stick your hand up and, and, and you, you stop the ball from going to somewhere that's a handball he wasn't even looking he turned his back and everything the lad so I think he got a bit of luck in that one of course the encroachment in my view was wrong he got that and I'm glad Havertz played quite well too and looking at the team also in terms of the tactical setup of them it was the best I've seen in terms of the personnel we've mm. spoke a lot Marie about having 30 players which is so difficult to try and manage not only on match day but on training days as well he spoke about just to try and put on sessions for so many and first team stars as well whereas I felt last night with Felix playing off Hazard, playing off Havertz and Sterling to the right of that as well and obviously Fernandez and Kovacic with the two on the either side of them with uh, Rhys James and Chilwell I thought the shape of the team with the personnel that he has looked very very good as well yeah and so much has been made about his uh, formation and the way he's set up and he went with that 3-4-3 starting Havertz and Felix up front but even just having Chilwell and Reese James back fit mm. is a huge thing 
Massive, yeah. And you see it last night, as I said, just their energy as well, what they give you down that left-hand side. I thought Chilwell played really, really well. Um, and they're English. You'd like to think that they're kind of in Potter's Corner mm. as well, Marie. You know, that kind of way that they can kind of associate with a lad who's got a chance, a, a manager, and they want to pro- do well for him as well. You'd like to think that's what's in their makeup and in their thinking. So um, having them back, and that that's key as well in terms of no matter who you're managing, you want your best players on the pitch. And they are obviously two of their best players in the formation that they play as well. And Reese James is a brilliant talent to have him back as well on the right-hand side. So even look at that picture you show look at the bags under his eyes Mm -hmm. there as well so you'd like to think Marie going forward now this is kind of um, the team that obviously he'll want to pick from I always speak about continuity in your team selection as well I read a stat before the match yesterday that he's made 82 changes in the short time that he's been there 82 changes to the team every week like so you could only imagine that you're trying to search for your best formula when when you're making all those changes so the fact that he he hit on something possibly last night with that personnel I still think they need a centre forward going forward but I was glad for them last night and Bruce Dortmund as well despite the fact they were missing a couple of key players they were on a run of 10 wins on the trot so they were coming into this game in red hot form as well so it's a big win Dortmund obviously went into that game a goal up Milan will come to London tonight with a goal lead over Spurs as well Spurs haven't won a trophy in 15 years Alan they're out of the FA Cup they're going to struggle in the Premier League this is their only chance of breaking that 15 year cycle isn't it? Yeah and funny enough right Ruby like we spoke there obviously about uh, Potter and you're talking about trophies in terms of who's going to win and who's not I would actually say Chelsea have a better chance of winning the Champions League than Spurs do you think that's a mad statement in terms of the fact that they've been struggling so bad? Spurs, I know, have been up and down, but they haven't been struggling as bad as Potter and Chelsea. But I would still give Chelsea a better chance of winning the Champions League than Spurs. Give us more information on that, Al. Okay, so if you if you look at Spurs and the season that they're having, and obviously Conte, who I like and I'm a fan of, but they're so inconsistent, Spurs, and they always let you down on the big day. And Ruby spoke about all the years that they haven't won a trophy, and we all know that. And he was wrong, I felt, to do what he did last week in the FA Cup, going to Sheffield United and leaving out your two best players, Harry Kane and Romero. And there was a major backlash from the fans for that. But could you honestly see this Spurs team going on winning the Champions League? No. Could you see that Chelsea team that played last night going on to win it? Only if they have another good performance. But do you think they have a better chance of winning it than Spurs? Yeah, I do. Because I just think Spurs have, they don't seem to have that desire and that will. Whereas Chelsea, when you have Chilwell and Reese James back again, um, they just seem to bring... Well, they have better players and they have a better team to pick from. So if, if Potter can get it right which hopefully last night if he can build on that and as you say put in another good performance at the weekend and, and get a little run going I would give give them a better chance to win the Champions League than Spurs Ruby? I agree I would be thinking Chelsea with that team last night Spurs they don't win Marie. Yeah, and they yeah. won't win the Champions League believe me did I tell you I was in the San Siro for this match a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you that Ruby? The great game yeah the great game was it? <laughs> well believe me that game right and if you're going for evidence and you don't need evidence just based on that game we've seen enough of Spurs they won't win the Champions League not a hope in hell OK what about uh, Bayern Munich and PSG uh, Neymar looks like he's going to be out for the foreseeable and might not even play for PSG again but I mean you still have um, Mbappe and Messi and Mbappe came off the bench the last time Bayern are 1-0 up on aggregate but if you put a, a, a fit Mbappe up against Bayern for a full 90 minutes you would have to think that they, he would be able to do damage. 
Oh, he'll do damage, all right, but will he be able to do enough damage on his own <laughs> to well, knock them out? Would he do more out? damage against Ireland or Bayern Munich? What would you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the Neymar thing fascinates me because I'm not a fan of Neymar, and I think that might help them that mm-hmm. he's not playing because he's he's another one that just kind of self-indulges himself on a football pitch and it's all about him and the histrionics that we see with him as well and Mbappe came out with kind of telling comments a couple of weeks back when they struggled in one of the league games and he spoke about lads not being committed and being professional and not going to bed early so I wonder who he was talking about there mm-hmm. so I think him being injured despite the fact in the early part of the season he was very very good as form but then I think that was mainly due to the fact that the World Cup was coming up and he was almost kind of dedicated for the point that he wanted to do well mm-hmm. with Brazil as soon as the World Cup is over again his form is dipped now he's injured but I don't think that's a major loss for them because I think you still have Mbappe and Messi and some other brilliant players his attitude I think drags them down and you can't carry him at yeah. this level especially I- against the Bayern Munich I saw him play for PSG that time when I went over and he's way worse actually in the flesh than he is in on television for the rolling around and the diving and yeah. the histrionics like it's so could you imagine playing with him and, and how frustrated you get mm-hmm. and annoyed and, and I know he can have moments of magic but he flits in and out for me I wouldn't have him at all so who do you think is going to cut I think Bayern will beat them do you? I, yeah I do I think Bayern will beat them um, I just think to have more about them as a team going forward as well Um PSG are a bit like Spurs when it gets to the Champions League ladder stages that they just let you down Marie. and I think they let their fans down again in this one because Bayern at home um, they have a stronger team stronger personnel I think they'll win and PSG have been struggling since the World Cup as well a lot of uncertainty around the manager as well I know they got the big win a couple of weeks back against Lille and that helped them but um, I think Bayern will win I see. You think of all the money that PSG have spent and the spending power they have is that French League just not strong enough to get them to the level of winning the Champions League yeah I'd say that's probably the main reason Ruby to be fair and the likes of Neymar because if you're spending a fortune on the likes of him and you're banking on him to be dependable and reliable well you're banking on the wrong man to win you a Champions League <laughs> well, as well. you remember when Argentina were going into the World Cup and um, you know there was questions about the South American teams not being as strong as the European teams and the different mm. styles of football and then Messi was pretty much able to drag his team with him I mean they all rose their game but like surely is that, that not a kind of a similar situation so you t- you're asking, can Messi drag them? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think there's a different motivation when you're playing for Argentina, especially as Messi going into this tonight because he's already won Champions Leagues with Barcelona. He has nothing to prove at that it's level. Big love of paycheck. I, I wouldn't accuse him of that, but, I, but, but I just think Ooh. with Argentina... Well, see, you know, you're eulogising about Leila Messi like, for the whole World Cup. Yeah, I was, yeah, but... It, but, but no, but, you've accused him of picking up a paycheck. That was oh, me, to be fair. I can't believe he's still in the studio with you. <laughs> um, OK, we're going to take a break because we do need to do our Cheltenham preview. Stay with us, though, and we'll be back very shortly. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are going to turn our attention to Cheltenham for the rest of the programme. Um, I'm delighted to say that Don McLean has joined us on the line. Don, how are you? Very good, thanks, Marie. Yeah, very good. And Ruby, you're still there? I'm still here, Marie. That's great. Um, great. So we're going to just get into it and we're going to go day by day. Alan is a big racing fan as well, so he's going to help me along the way. And we're just going to go through the, the big races of the day. We may as well just start with Monday Ruby and the Supreme Novices hurdle. Um, I know that you've been a, a fan of Fasal Vega. Are you still a fan of Fasal Vega? I am, Marie. Yeah, look, Tuesday at Cheltenham, it's an incredible day. Fasal Vega was brilliant there last year in the bumper. Obviously, he blew out of the Dublin Racing Festival and Look, he went too fast from the third hurdle to the fourth hurdle along with high definition. But look, that's a big blowout to overcome. Um, but his work has been really good since. I think he's the best horse in the race. Would I be mad keen to 
to back him, I'm not so sure. But could I see myself backing anything else? No, I couldn't because I I do think he's the one you'd want to be on for value. I think high definition could be a bit of value in the race, and you've got Eli Tomp as well. But look, I've watched Vassal Viga in Willie Mullins's since the Dublin Racing Festival, and I still think he's a very very good horse. You always say, Ruby, though, that in this race you don't have to be the fastest horse in the Supreme. It's more um, important that you're the strongest stayer. Yeah, I think it is, and I think that's what plays in Facile Vega's uh, favour over probably some a horse like Marine National, who for Barry Connell is a very good horse. Michael O'Sullivan will ride him. I think Marine National could be the fastest horse in the race, but as you said, the Supreme with every jockey revved up, all the excitement on, it's usually a race that's running a frantic tempo and stamina comes into it. Is that because it's the first race and everyone's excited? Yeah, it's the build-up, it's the pressure. I mean, you're talking about an arena like Cheltenham, jam-packed, 70,000 people, you know, tension, pressure... So like a start of any kind of a like start of a match, Marie. Everyone starts too fast, and then has to slow down. Supreme can be the same. Don. Yeah, look, I'm really on on Fasil Vega. He's a, uh, obviously a top class horse. That was the first defeat the last time, and there was an excuse afterwards. So that was kind of good in a way. Then excuse came to light. But I do like Marine Nacional. I think what he did in the Royal Bond Hurdle, when things went against him, he didn't really have the run of the race. He could shuffle back at a crucial point, but he he made his ground nicely. He made a mistake at the final flight as well. The ground was probably too soft for him and he did well to win he hasn't run since then and that's not a positive in the context of a Supreme Novices Hurdle but that was always the plan Barry Connell always said after that race the Royal Bond would go straight to the Supreme and he had been busy before that so I, I don't think that's, that's, that's as big a negative as it would have been if it wasn't the plan so yeah look it's, it's an unknown he's never been beaten but he's going to have to step forward again but I think he could OK let's move on then to the uh, the Arkle Ruby um John Bond is getting a lot of attention, does well under pressure, jumping seems to be key, but what about El Fabio? Yeah, look, El Fabiolo was brilliant, Marie, at the Dublin Racing Festival, and this race will be quite similar to that. You'll have Dysart Dynamo as well. Um, it's obviously a little bit shorter than Leperstown. Leperstown is two miles and one furlong, whereas the Arkell at Cheltenham is kind of one mile, seven furlongs and 199 yards to be exact, but this will be fast. I mean, the ground is forecast to be on the goodish side so look these will be topping 30 32 or 3 miles an hour down over the first four fences there'll be no margin for error um, it'll be a great race to watch if Il Fabiolo if he's jumping holds up I think he'll win um, I think he was unlucky not to beat John Bond last year as a novice at entry when he had less experience than John Bond had so look El Fabiolo is a really good horse but I think when the three of them go at it and no no one is going to want to back off Paul Townend Daryl J- uh, not Daryl Jacob Aidan Coleman or Danny Mullins they're going to go at it and one of those is going to fade and I think that probably gives St. Sam an each way a chance picking up prize money but uh, and he's eight to one but I do think uh, Fabiolo is the best OK Ruby I'm actually going to just uh, hang up on you for a little while and I'll come back to you in a minute your line isn't great uh, Don we're talking about the Arkle and um, I, I guess it, uh, listening to Ruby there and it seems like there's three horses that could take it El Fabiolo John Bon and Dysart Dynamo what do you reckon? Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a race, Marie, as Ruby says there. Like, Dysart Dynamo, he only knows one way. He goes forward, he goes fast, and that's going to set the pace in the race. As, as he did at Leopardstown in the Irish Arkle, El Fabiolo won that race. He made a pretty bad mistake at the fourth or last fence of Fabiolo that day, and his jumping hadn't been great in the, at, at Ferrius the time before that, but he has a serious engine. And what was significant about him, I thought, at Ferrius was that whenever he made a mistake, he was straight back on and jumped the next fence well. So... And, and his jumping was better at Leopardstown than it was at Ferrius. It was only his second chase the last day. So his third chase, there's every chance his jumping will improve again. And 
I fully agree with Ruby on the entry race. Like he, he made a pretty bad mistake at the final flight that day, and he only went down by a neck to John Bon. John Bon is a very good horse. He's well related, but he, he wasn't very impressed in winning the Kingmaker Chase at Warwick last time. Now look, it's different. Nicky Anderson will have him primed for Cheltenham, but he still has to step forward from that. And look, there wasn't much between them as, as novice hurdles, but it was only Fabi, El Fabio's second race over hurdles at entry he made that mistake and what he did at Leopardstown then he, he came clear of his field in the Irish Arkle he was strong at the finish and yeah, I, I think he should be clear favourite for this Ruby in the champion hurdle is it Constitution Hill all the way? Absolutely <laughs> absolutely he looks why? why he looks so solid that? like is it what is it? <sighs> what is it? I, it's a bit like uh, uh, what, what other terminology do you, or who do you compare him to? David Radisha he's just that much better than the rest of the opposition and he's that straightforward Radisha could make all and win the Olympics so he wasn't relying on getting caught in traffic or getting bumped or knocked over by anybody Constitution Hill is the same now obviously he has to jump eight hurdles but um, he's the best horse um, Don what about Stateman is, uh, has he any chance? Look Stateman's a very good horse Marie I think he's just unlucky to be born into the era of Constitution Hill like he, he won the, the county hurdle last year he's been very good this season I think he's got better as he's gone along Todd Paul Town was very good enough at Leopardstown he set a nice steady pace in front for himself and he quickened he beat Honeysuckle by five lengths that day and he's improving so he's, you know, he'd, be a, he'd be a worthy champion hurdle favourite in a normal year but it's not a normal year Constitution Hill like just what he's been doing is phenomenal his, his time in the Supreme Novices hurdle was nearly six seconds faster than Honeysuckle was in the champion hurdle he's won his five hurdle races by an aggregate of 77 lengths and he's you know Ruby was saying that you can do anything with him he, can, he travels you can put him anywhere you like in a race his temperament seems to be rock solid and yeah he's just he looks pretty bomb proof from whatever angle you look at Marie it, it just looks like it's going to be very, very difficult to see Constitution Hill getting beaten. Al, you're a fan of Constitution Hill? Yeah, well, sure. Look, I think everyone is, to be fair. But I'm interested, uh, obviously, Ruby and, and Don know a lot more about, about it than me, and especially Ruby with Stateman and Willie Stable. But I wonder, is he even capable of taking him off the bridle? Do you think he'll win, as Don mentioned there, about the lengths that he's won so far and beating really good horses? Um, do you think it'll be something similar, or do you think we'll even get a race? Don, what do you reckon? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes tactically, Alan. But like, like it's very fine, hard to find a flaw in Constitution Hill. No matter how you like, if you try and do him for pace, he's got pace. Trying to do him for stamina, he's got stamina. Trying to do him for jumping, he jumps well. Temperament is is is, is there. So it's it's very difficult. To, you know, I'm sure Ruby knows more about this than me. But when you're taking on a, a big rival like that, you look for flaws, you look for weaknesses in their armory. And for Constitution Hill, it's just very very difficult to find them. <laughs> It's uh, it's funny, you know, because... Well, I just think, like, you're speaking there about the temperament, on in terms of the fact that if he was taken off the bridle, you you have no doubts if he was that we'd still see a reaction from him. Oh, yeah, sure. He, quickens, he came 17 lengths clear of Epitant in the Christmas hurdle mm-hmm. at Kempton the last day. And in the fight... Actually, going into the fighting fifth hurdle, his first run this season, I was kind of interested in to see how he'd go because, like, all his runs last year, obviously, obviously he was in novice company. He was taken on Epitant in the, in the fighting fifth hurdle at Newbury. And... It didn't matter. He just blew them out of the way. He's just, yeah, he's just a, a monstrous performer. So let's move on then to the Mary's hurdle. And I guess from a, an Irish interest, um, when it comes to to Honeysuckle and Rachel and all that, Don, is there any hope? Ah, uh, big hope, I'd say, Marie. Yeah, big, big hope. Um, no, look, she's 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 an unbelievable mare, as we know. She's won she won sixteen on the bounce. She's won two champion hurdles. 
and yeah like she just she was beaten this year in the Hatton's Grace and then beaten by Stadman last time in the, the Irish Champion Hurdle but she's still a very very good horse like she's she's got a rating of 160 and look she's taken on Epitant so you've got the, the last three Champion Hurdlers running in the Mare's Hurdle so look it'll be brilliant to see her going and do it um, and like she, she loves Sheldon I think the step back up to two and a half miles would suit her maybe just as she's she's a nine year old now and maybe the step back up to two and a half miles and remember she won this race a couple of years ago before she started winning a champion hurdle so she got you know she's proven at Cheltenham but uh, at the result you'd love to see you'd love to see her going and, 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 and signing off with the win in a merit hurdle Don, just for a horse that's so used to winning, then when you go in, and obviously I think it's fair to say Honeysuckle has regressed this year from the high standards that she set, but does that affect the horse's temperament then if all of a sudden you, you like take a dent to your confidence that you've lost two or three? Yeah, like maybe. like They talk about horse's confidence. and you know, the, It goes the other way around. A horse has kind of been a bit of an early horse, gets the win on the board, and suddenly they start going on a roll and they start improving for that. So, yeah, like mentally... I'm not sure about the, the the psychology of it from a horse's perspective, but it, you know it, it can't be a positive when she's so used to winning. But you know she she like the rating says she has regressed down, but just a wee bit. She's down to a mark of 160 now for a mark of 165. So the handicapper thinks she's five pounds inferior to the horse she was last year, but 160 is still a very very high mark. Ruby, just on honeysuckle there, and how much hope that you would give her heading into this? What do you reckon? Yeah, Don thinks she's 160 or running somewhere close to or in or around that. I'm not so sure she run quite that mark this year. I think she's, without doubt, the result everybody that will be watching Cheltenham will want to see. You'll want to see Honeysuckle mm-hmm. win, um, and she will be a massive winner. But I'm afraid, whilst I was her biggest fan for so long, sport is not always, doesn't deliver the fairy tales that you always want. And... Um, Ah, Ruby. No. I know. There's no room in sport for sentimentality. <laughs> this is business. That's, that's, that, that's basically it. Now, we and are going to be talking to Rachel Blackmore very shortly. Are you going to yeah, say hopefully that to she's not. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't. I don't think she ran to anywhere near her, her, her official rating of 165. I think she's ran to about 154, 55 this year, Don. And um, I could see a couple of horses in here running past that. Okay, let's move on because uh, we do have a lot to get through and move on to uh, day two, Ruby, and the Ballymore Novices hurdle. Is this one of these ones where it's a big Ireland versus England? It is. It's obviously um, Impere Pa versus Hermes Allen, but I think this will be Ireland, Marie. Um, I'm a massive fan of Impere Pa. He's a horse of Willie Mullins. He's won at Nace. He's won at Punches Down. I think he's been very good, and I think Willie has great backup in Cham Kylie to go with it. So um, I think they'll both beat. Hermes Allen, Don, what do you think of that shallow <laughs> uh, hurdle form? Yeah, I, I, look, the shallow hurdle form, Ruby, you, can, you can argue that it's worked out okay, but the shallow hurdle and the Ballymore, like, it, it's amazing the record that shallow hurdle horses have in the Ballymore. You'd think it would be a follow-on because it's two and a half miles at Newbury, two and a half months before the, the Ballymore over a similar trip. You'd think there'd be a good correlation between the two, but the, la- the 20, 20 winners of the shallow hurdle have tried to win the Ballymore, and all 20 have failed. It's a remarkable stat. It seems to be that the, the, the shallow hurdle, it's two and a half miles at Newbury at the end of December on soft ground usually. It seems to be a stamina horse that wins it and horses who've won the shallow hurdle have gone on to be kind of staying horses. Actually, with you the lineman who won the shallow hurdle. He won the Albert Bartlett hurdle over three miles at the Shallow Festival. Even Denman couldn't win the the, um, the the Ballymore after winning the shallow. So it's, it's got a, it has a, a really poor record. Like Hermes Allen's a very good horse, but... 
no, I fully agree with Ruby on Ampera Pass. He seems to be just, a, there seems to, to be a, a real confidence behind him from the Willie Mullins yard. And he won the Moscow Flyer Hurdle, and normally the Moscow Flyer Hurdle winner goes on to the Supreme Novice Hurdle. They're both over two miles, but Ampera Pass won his maiden over two miles in three. So he's got that stamina in the, in the, in the bag as well. And obviously, Willie's got Fasil Vega and others for the Supreme Novice Hurdle. So, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I think Hermes Allen would probably get done for pace here and I, I actually think that Sam Kiley could be the value of the race I think he's, he's just been a wee bit overlooked in, in the face of kind of the, the billing of it as a match between Imperial Pass and Hermes Allen Ruby in the Browns advisory novices Chase Jerry Colomb the real whacker Sir Gerhard all unbeaten over fences is it between those three? I think it is Murray and I would be a Jerry Colomb fan I think he was very good at Limerick at Christmas he was good in the Silly Isles uh, Jordan Gainford rides him yeah I think he's the one I don't think Sir Gerhard has the experience he might be the best horse but only having had one run over fences it has to be a massive negative for me Don? Yeah Jerry like what he did at Sandown in the Silly Isles chase before that I, I kind of thought he was vulnerable at Sandown but it was good to soft ground at Sandown over two and a half miles and he battled on well to beat a good horse of Nicky Henderson's Balco Coastal who apparently goes for the Turners a grade one race so for him to do that I just thought we saw an, an, an element or a, a, a trace of Jerry Colombs that day that we hadn't seen before he's kind of known as a soft ground kind of galloping horse so the step up to three miles that should suit him and yeah I think he's the right favourite Ruby, the Queen Mother Champion Chase, um, so many uh, big names here, Blue Lord, Edward Stone, Energamine. How difficult is this one to call? Yeah, I think it is. And look, I suppose at times, look, I am in the William Mullins camp, but I have to try and take those glasses off and try and see the races as to what's going to win these days, Marie. Um, and unfortunately, I'm probably not with Energamine. I'm with Edward Stone. I didn't think I would be leaving Cheltenham this time last year. I thought Edward Stone as an eight-year-old winning the Arkell couldn't be any better as a nine-year-old. But I actually think he is a better horse this year. I thought he was better at Kemp at Sandown in the Tingle Creek. He obviously unseated rider at Kempton and he was the unlucky one in the Clarence House at Cheltenham at the end of January. And I think Tom Cannon will change tactics marginally on him. And I think that'll make the difference and Edward Stone will be the winner. Don, that's an interesting take from Ruby, especially um, with the Energamina and Willie Mullins connection. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think um, an Ergamine will be a big player if the rains come and it comes up soft. I think, like he, he did win at Point of Sound and Good to Yielding Ground last April, but I think he's a better horse on softer ground. If the rains come, that will bring him into it. But yeah, like you know, he won the Champion Chase last season, but the Champion Chase didn't take as much winning last season as it looked like it was going to before the race. And after getting beaten at, at Cheltenham, I think he's going to have to step forward again. He has to leave that before and behind him. I actually think that Willie Mullins, other horse gentleman, Demay is a bit of a player here at a little bit of a price he's a spring horse he's not proven on an undulating track his good form is at Leopardstown last time when he was very good in beating Blue Lord and at Aintree last season when he beat Edwardston in the Maggle Chase so if he can cope with the track then as long as the ground doesn't get too soft I think he, he could get into a rhythm in front I know Ed the Jeep goes forward as well but he didn't seem to mind when Dunvegan took him took him on in, in the Leopardstown race so I just think gentlemen to May might be a wee bit overpriced Okay, um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, do stay with us, though, everybody. I will be back shortly. Rachel Blackmore to come, and of course, Thursday and Friday. Game on on Two FM. Now, welcome back. We are in the middle of our Cheltenham preview with Ruby, of course, and um, Don McLean is with us as well. And I am delighted to say that we have a very special guest today. Rachel Blackmore joins us. Rachel, how are things? Good. Yeah. Yeah. All good. Um, listening in here, uh, enjoying the preview. Oh, so you were listening, were you, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hear, oh, Ruby, I, heard, step up. 
everything. Good, well, that's what I think. That's what I think, Reg, and I probably have told you anyway. But um, yeah, I think honeysuckle's on the way down. So I'm afraid you might be going to struggle on Tuesday. But what do you think? You have to fancy your yeah, simple well, as that. I, I, you have to have. Uh, if I didn't have immense confidence in honeysuckle, there'd be probably something wrong with me. Uh, so yeah, look. We, we couldn't be happy with her um, she seems really good at home like I don't feel riding her that she has any less of fight that she had before um, you know she obviously just uh, there was a horse better than her the last day in Stateman um, but you know she still really battled in the feel I got off her to hold on to second so um, yeah look it's, uh, it's it's very exciting heading into next week and I, I'm glad she's heading over I'm sure you are. Looking at the race, Rachel, though, there doesn't look to be a massive amount of pace or an out-and-out front-runner. Have you put any thought into how you might ride her? Yeah, like, obviously, I ride her a similar way a lot of the time, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that'll definitely be a consideration. Um, you know, the, the step-up and trip will will help in that sense, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, look, we'll see. You've gotten very good at saying everything and saying nothing. Much about me. Well, I don't think it would be wise for me to be giving away all my tactics right now at this point in time on national radio stations. How true, how true. Look, on Friday, the Boodles Cheltenham Gold Cup, a Plutar, he was so good last year and I thought leaving Cheltenham, if he comes back in one piece, he will win a second Gold Cup. The season hasn't gone his way. How has he been? Yeah, he's been... Obviously, as you say, things have not definitely gone uh, not to plan this year for him, but uh, he's really starting to come back to, to the horse um, that we were hoping he would this time of year. David Roach wrote a bit of work on him last week and, uh, you know, different horses give you different signs that they're in good form and, and he was showing all those signs. So, yeah, look, you don't know until you get over there, I suppose, but, uh, you know, now from what we're seeing at home, we're very happy with him. Very happy with him. Not that's a, that's a good sign. There'll be plenty of people delighted to hear that. Rich, anything else in particular you might be looking forward to throughout the week? Yeah, look, it's a it's a very exciting week, obviously. And, and Henry's got some lovely horses going over. Um, he's got like Envoy Allen is going to run in the Ryanair, I think, at the moment. Um, I think he he's definitely one that if if the ground stays on the drier side he's going to really enjoy that and uh you know he's he's definitely one i think that people might underestimate and um, he's a very talented horse um so he could be one and yeah look there's there's some in the pocket hidden valley lake there's some really nice horses going over um so yeah i don't want to like i could be listing them all off here but uh no look there's a lovely bunch and Rachel, then just away from being on the horse, do you have to deal with people like Ruby telling you what they think and what you should be doing and, and how they think it's going to go all the time and do you get sick of that? Oh, sure. You, you've been listening to that since uh, Saturday after the festival last year. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's what Cheltenham is, though. Like, it's it's such hype. There's such a build-up. Uh, you know, th- there's so many different... Everyone has different opinions and th- that's just that's just all part of it. And uh, there's so much anticipation, I suppose, going into next week. But, yeah, like, as a jockey, you're just trying to... You're just trying to, I suppose, not get too wrapped up in, in too much of that and, uh, you know, go out and ride r- ride, a, ride a race. And, um, you know, the the tactics beforehand can all change very quickly. And the more you do it, and, and Ruby for you as well, like, you know, it's kind of like when you're playing All Ireland finals or going to the Olympic Games, does it get easier if you've done it like year after year? 
Mm, I don't know. For me, Rachel, the riding part probably got e- easier, but the uh, expectation upon you probably grew. So the build-up became less and less enjoyable. The riding was still fun, but the build-up became less enjoyable for me. What about you? Yeah, like, th- th- this is not an enjoyable week at all. Um, you know, the you're at the stage now when you'd love if it was just Tuesday, whatever time, half one, and racing kicks off and, and things start happening. You know, you're, you're in it then. The ball has started rolling and you're you're on that train or whatever. But, yeah, like, it's when you're when there is a lot of expectation and and so on it's uh yeah it's, it's definitely not enjoyable but the at least the riding part is i remember years ago going down to kerry to interview darrow shea before the all ireland final and i said to him you know are you enjoying what like are you enjoying the build-up and he said yeah except having to do things like this <laughs> 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 and that was in uh and uh, that told me all that i need to know uh don mclean's on the line as well don any questions for rachel before we finish up I should look, n- nothing I can say or, like, or ask Rachel she doesn't know already or hasn't already planned <laughs> um, like, I, I, I do think that Honeysuckle is a bit, I think the, the step up and trip like Rachel you mentioned the step up and trip there um, and, and maybe it's to do with how, the, how you think the race will be run but do you think the step back up to two and a half miles will be a positive for her? Yeah, look, it's it won't be it won't be a negative anyway, and uh, you know, w- with the ground, it looks like it's going to be on the drier side. Um, so it'll, yeah, I think that'll that'll work in her favour if if the ground is going to be on the on the better side. Um, Ruby has another question. Go, Ruby. I haven't. I was going to let you go, Rachel, but I just put it to you this way: if she does win, I will come and find you on Tuesday and apologise, and maybe might come back and speak to Marie. <laughs> no, I, I, there's no there's no need to apologise. Everyone, everyone. Everyone has their opinion, but uh, yeah, we'll, but, we'll but, see what happens. But Rachel, every time you get to say to Ruby, I told you so, it's a pretty sweet moment <laughs> because he likes to say that himself a lot. I never say I told you so. <laughs> you love when people make mistakes and picking them up and don't say you don't because you do to me all the time. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. You've got a huge uh, week to come. We'll be following you and we're wishing you all the best and uh, can't wait to see how you get on. Talk to you soon, Rachel. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Um, Ruby, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and so I'll tell you what's worse. I'll have to talk to her again in the morning and she'll give me more steak. So um, <laughs> I think we'll move swiftly on to Thursday, Marie. Yes, uh, that's it. But we'll actually be able to clip that up for hopefully now when uh, she does win. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, let's move on to Thursday. And Ruby, let's start with the uh, Turner's Novices Chase. Um, and just on, on this one, um, we've been talking about appreciated quite a lot um, wasn't the best performance um, that we've seen at the Dublin Racing Festival how are you feeling about it? appreciate it now no it wasn't and he looked too slow um, Il Fabiolo just really put him in his place he couldn't keep up with Dysart Dynamo and he had nothing left to give at the end um, said he's again like Honeysuckle going up and trip they're both nine year olds they're getting older they're going up and trip to see if they can still compete but it doesn't always necessarily mean that you will and Mighty Potter has been Mighty Potter has been really impressive all season he didn't blow me away in Down Royal he was much better at Fairy House and he won the Drinmore and I thought he was very good at uh, Dublin Wrestling Festival Marie and yeah, I think he'll be he'll be a hard one to beat. I think Thursday's a massive day for Davy Russell. Uh, looking on his rides throughout the week, obviously he'd have a great chance in the cross country on Wednesday. But I think Thursday's a big day for him, and that'll be the day that he will be hoping justifies his return to the saddle. Don. Yeah, like Mighty Potter, he he could be a superstar, Marie. He's he's just a lovely horse. Um, he's won his, his three chases, as Ruby said, and he's probably got like in the Drinmore, he kind of made a bit of a mistake over the fourth last and the third last, but it didn't seem to phase him. He was just very good, and he he went to the line strongly. 
Um, this, this looks like a good trip for him. He could probably step out and trip maybe next season to his God. But um, the one little worry maybe you have about Mighty Potter is his one run at Chelsea he pulled up. Now, I know he wasn't right and he didn't have the run of the race and he made a mistake early. So you can allow him that. But just when you're talking about a short-priced horse back and, and at, at, at the track where he, he underperformed last time, that's just a little bit of a niggle in the back of your mind. And by contrast, Banbridge, he, he was very good in winning the Martin Pipe Hurdle at the festival last year. He probably doesn't have the class that Mighty Potter has but he's still a very, very good horse. He was 18 lengths behind him in the Drinmore chase, but that was on soft ground, on better ground. Like Bambridge, he's a very, very good jumper of fences. He's a very accurate jumper for a novice. And I think the step back up to two and a half miles should suit him. So, you know, maybe he could be the one to put it up to Mighty Potter. Uh, the Ryanair chase, Ruby, can we look beyond Shishkin? No, Marie, so you can... If Les Down thinks there's an angle there, I think he can move no. on to the Paddy Powers there. <laughs> yeah, no, Shishkin, yeah, he's just, he's back over two and a half. As long as he put up the performance that he put up at Ascot last time, yeah, he, he'll take an awful lot of beating. Okay, let's move on then to the uh, Paddy Powers stairs. Um, Blazing Cal, the favourite here, Ruby? Yeah, he's had a bit of a setback during the, not during the week. He got a cut, Marie, when he won at Navin, and he's had an interrupted prep since then. Um, or that's that's what we, we, we're being told anyway. That's far from ideal. Um, you'd like things to be going much smoother. Look, I think a lot will depend on the weather here. I think if we, if the rainfall that is forecast for the middle of next week comes and it, it turns the ground in Cheltenham, it gives Tehupu a massive chance here for Gordon Elliott and Davy Russell. I think Tehupu is a much better horse than soft ground. If it rains, I'd really be on his side if it stays dry then I think the, a home by the lee of Joseph O'Brien is a big runner I think he'll handle the drier ground whereas to Hoopoo will want it really testing um, Don Flooring Porter um, Gavin Cromwell was on uh, the radio on Sunday and he said that there was a little bit of um, a problem with preparations but things seem to be back on track now is it good timing or a bit late? Yeah, no, it seems to be back on track, Marie. He had that setback earlier on and it was a little bit of a worry whether or not he'd make it to the races, but it, it seems to be just that the vibes coming from Gavin Cromwell and the yard seem to be quite positive in that regard. So, luckily, hopefully he does make it because he's, he's won the last two and Danny Mullins was, was, has been superb on him on, on both occasions. Um, he just might not get the solo that he got last year. But that said, what's going to take him on? You know, if, uh, I can't see what's going to go forward and, and make him go faster than Danny Mullins wants to go. And that's a dangerous scenario for his rivals if Danny Mullins can get to dictate the pace again and Florian Porter. But yeah, I agree with Ruby and Tiapu. He's a, he's, a, he's a very good horse. All his best form is on soft ground. But Cordelli was saying that he, he didn't think that he really needed soft ground. He just needs a test of stamina. And maybe the soft ground is, is what he needs to bring his stamina into play. But this is a stamina race. It's over three miles. So maybe he'll get away with the ground even if it doesn't come up very soft I think Marie's Rock will be interesting as she goes here Nikki Henderson's mare she won the mare's hurdle last season she won the Relkeel hurdle last time at Cheltenham on New Year's Day and she does have the option of going for the mare's hurdle instead but the vibe seems to be that she's coming here and I, I think she could be a player in the race if she does go here uh, Ruby just in a, a word if you can the, the last race for uh, Thursday the Ryanair mare's uh, novices hurdle um, any thoughts? Yeah, look, look, she is your warm favourite, but I think uh, a lot of joy and an each way price, Marie, would be my pick there. Okay, let's move on to Friday because it is arguably the biggest day for uh, many reasons. We're going to start, though, with the Triumph Hurdle, Ruby, and Willie seems to be dominating the market here. Yeah, he does. He has uh, the favourite in Blood Destiny, second favourite in Lossy Mountain, the third favourite in Gallimar. So, look three really good horses Marie and they'll be really hard to split well I think Lassie Mouth and Blood Destiny are really really hard to split um, and I think whichever one Paul Townend rides will end up favoured and therefore make the other one a bit of value um, as crazy as that sounds I, I think they're very hard to, to split uh, Lassie Mouth is unlucky at the Dublin Racing Festival Blood Destiny has been very good 
they're impossible to split. So for value, I'd nearly be suggesting you back whichever one is the bigger <laughs> price on the day. Um, John, let's move on to the Albert Bartlett and Novices Hurdle, a very deep race. We did hear Rachel mention Hidden Valley Lake there. Yeah, I, I think Hidden Valley Lake is a big chance. He was beaten last time by his stable companion, but he, he probably didn't have the run of things there. He had to make his own running. He didn't jump that well. The ground was very soft. And that's a race that has been a really good pointer to the Albert Bartlett hurdle in the past. Um, Manella Indo finished second behind Alaho and then Madonna won the Albert Bartlett. Monley won that race and finished second in the Albert Bartlett hurdle. So Hidden Valley Lake, I think on better ground and uh, not, not, not leading with a strong pace to aim at, then I think he could come into it because what he did at Cork the time before that, his stamina really kicked in and he, he stayed on really strongly to win impressively. So if he can repeat that type of performance, then I think he's a player in the race. Corbett's cross has been favoured for this, but he won over two miles last time and just not certain if he's going to come here, but he's, he'd be a worthy favourite if he does go here. Ruby, the Gold Cup, is it galloping all the way? I hope it is, Marie, but I, I, I do think it's a really good race. I think you've got some classy horses. Look, Rachel was positive about Aplutar a few minutes ago. Paul Nichols has been very positive about Brave Man's game all week. And to be fair... I didn't think he was a Gold Cup horse till I watched him in the King George but the way he galloped down the straight in Kempton kind of put him in my mind as a Gold Cup horse if Paul Nichols fancies him if he does win he'll join Tom Draper as the winning most trainer in the Gold Cup he knows what it takes to win this win this race and he's he's shouting about Brave Man's game but I am in the galloping camp galloping the chump that is I think since he fell here last year he has, hasn't looked back um, I think that was probably the the lesson he needed to learn or is a better way of putting it but I think that, that falling over has improved him he's much more measured in his jump and he's much safer he's not as flamboyant as he was and I think he's a hell of a good racehorse um, yeah I, I would be keen on him Don Ah yeah look he's, he's a really <laughs> exciting horse galloping the champ and I thought the last day in the Irish Gold Cup he didn't travel impressively through the race but they didn't go a great pace and it was only when his stamina kicked in over the last that, that was the most impressive part of the race for me but he seems to be settling a lot better these this year than he was last season he's got good Cheltenham Festival form as well he would have won the Turners last year he won the Martin Pipe Hurdle so and he's a progressive horse he's only 7 he's the right age for a Gold Cup as well he's probably still improving so look he's a hugely exciting horse I, just, I think that maybe Conflated is the underrated horse in the race he's a little bit more exposed obviously but he won the the Irish Gold Cup last season he won the Savile's Chase this season and I just don't think he's getting the credit that he should have got for winning those two races and I think if, if there are flaws in Galloping de Champ then maybe Conflated be the one to exploit them Ruby what about uh, the maybe the races that we didn't get to the bumpers yeah, look, I think first call fact to file a Willie Mullins this is a big price each way, Marie in the bumper. Um he'd probably want a little drop of rain, but look, I think he's a big price. The favourite is a horse called a dream to share, or the second favourite of John Kiley's. I think a dream to share and fact to file they were first and second in Epperson. That's the best form. I'd expect one of the two of those to win. Don? Yeah, I like a dream to share. I thought like what he did the last day at Leopardstown in a in a good race, a very good race. Like he he travelled through the race really well and he quickened up well and maybe it's more stamina than pace will win a, a Chelten bumper, but I just think he's a classy horse and yeah, it'd be great for John Kiley to have a winner of a champion bumper. Okay, guys, we got through everything. Thanks so much. Uh, Don, thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, learned a lot. Alan Colley's been frantically taking down notes there for the last hour, so uh, he's going to have come a great on, week. Alan, give us a winner. <laughs> yeah, Al, come on, you should study this as well. Well, what fascinates me is, because I have a BME bonnet at the moment about fanboy pundits <laughs> and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher acting like fans basically in a studio and they're there to be analysing matches and what amazes me Ruby is there's you in Willie Stable and I think it's brilliant that you're telling us about Edward Stone and you fancy him really strongly and I'd be with you Alright
There we go. So that's um, my take, yeah. Right, well, I might even write down that myself. Uh, Don, thank you. Uh, Ruby, I thank agree. you Thanks, guys. so much. And uh, tell Rachel we said thank you when you're talking to her tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, hopefully Thanks. she will get a chance to say I told you so, so that we can all say it as well. Um, Al, thank you for coming in. That is all we have time for. Better to Silva's. RTE 2FM.